Welcome to Poets and Writers. This is Henry McCarthy, WEHC 90.7. Well, we have a great guest for you today, Jane Hicks, an excellent poet, and we go way back. So, Jane, welcome to Poets and Writers today. I'm glad to be here, Henry. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I grew up in Kingsport, as close to the Virginia state line as you could get, Um used to have a a classmate that we would throw rocks from her backyard into Virginia. So uh, when it came time for me to go to school, I went to uh, Virginia Tech, and then I graduated right here at Emory & Henry. And you also went to Linview High School, so talk a little bit about your experience at Linview High School. Well, uh, when I was a freshman, having had a long succession of nice old lady school teachers, uh, walked in, and I had a very young male English teacher. We were all excited about that because the only other male teacher most of us had had wasn't in the same category. Let's 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 put it <laughs> let's put it that way. So we were excited to have somebody young. And who was that? Well, that was Henry McCarthy. Well, absolutely. And I'd gotten that job out of East Tennessee State. I was going to go to law school, and I decided that I would teach for a year. Patty was from Bristol, and we had met at East Tennessee State, and so. I called Lefty, Lefty Akert. I've told Jane this story before, and Lefty was the superintendent elected, and he said, well, we've got a job for you over at Linview High School. Now, I had not had student teaching or any of that, but I did have a background in drama, and I loved teaching there at Linview, and it was my first year of teaching and later went to law school, but because of that first year, Jane, at Linview High School, I came back into it, and we've told this story a number of times about the Raven. Tell, tell, tell what happened about that uh, Raven when we were listening to Poe. Uh, I've had to vindicate Henry several times on this story, but I think people thought he was making it up. I can't imagine Henry making up a wild story. But we were listening on a dark and dreary day to an old record player where he was playing Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. And we were into it because freshmen are that age where you really get into Poe, you know, and and it was so atmospheric. And there was a fellow I graduated with named Ralph Jones who lived on the street above the high school. We could see Ralph's house from our classroom. Right in the middle, when quoth the raven, nevermore, Ralph's pet crow flew down, flew in the window, and perched on the windowsill. Now, how... Henry regained any modicum <laughs> of order in that classroom, I, I don't remember, but I will never forget that. Jane, I appreciate you sharing that so much to our audience out there on Poets and Writers today because that is a true story, and I think after that, maybe the students thought I had some supernatural power, but they definitely were taken aback, right? Yes, okay. to to <laughs> to say the least. And you went on, you became a teacher, and you, you were very bright, and that was a very bright, we talk about Limview High School, it was a really maturing experience for me, and I want to mention Ralph Matherly, who was the principal there, and who would come in 
the lounge every day first period because back then that was an innovation. We got first period free, and then you taught the rest of the day, and he would just listen to me, and he was a great mentor, former basketball coach there. So that's all you teachers out there can appreciate that story and, and getting some attention. Now, Jane Hicks, you have written a number of poetry books. Talk a little bit about the poetry books you've written, and then we're going to talk about the one that's coming out. Go ahead. Um I I seem to manage to get a poetry book out every 10 years or so. Uh, I had published in little and literary magazines for years and years and years. In 2004, uh, one of my mentors, Ron Rash, kind of shook me up and helped me put the poems in order. And uh, the Jesse Stewart Foundation published my first book called Blood and Bone Remember. Mm -hmm. And... I was still teaching, had a lot of stuff going on, had uh, kids, all that. So it was 10 years before I got another book out, and it was called Driving with the Dead. Now, Driving with the Dead and Blood and Bone Remember both won the Appalachian Book of the Year, uh, Poetry Book of the Year from the Appalachian Writers Association. Uh, I am very pleased they both have been taught in various college classes. I, I was aware that uh, Blood and Bone Remember was taught in some women's studies well, classes. Well, let me interject here. Those are some pretty heavy titles there. They are. Talk a little bit about those two titles. Well, the Blood and Bone Remember was the title poem from that, and it, and it was uh, Ancestral Home. It was a line from Ancestral Home. Okay. And I found the cemetery where my eighth great-grandfather was buried. Okay. He was from Scotland, and he was a fifer in the American Revolution. He wasn't old enough to fight, but he was a fifer. He was an interesting fella. He lived... Uh, in Greene County, Tennessee, he got a land grant, and at some point, uh, he lost that property. I, I don't know what happened. He was a very old man, and the owner said, well, Henry could live in the log house there as, as long as he should live, and then it would come back to their family. Well, I found in a Greene County Historical Society newsletter that Henry Monteith died at age 104 of a snake bite. Wow. And he he outlived all the other people, and the land came back to our family. And I found Henry's grave, and I had just an unworldly experience when I stood there on all that DNA. And it's the idea of genetic memory. Absolutely. Blood yeah. and bone, bone remembered. remembered. And that's right. where I didn't know. I love that book. And yeah. where was the graveyard? Where did you find it? It's in North Green County near okay. Geraldstown. North Green County, as in down in Green County, Tennessee. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. All right. And then the, the next book with the interesting title. Driving with the Dead. Yeah. Well, this book was primarily about being a caregiver. It it was a lot about being a caregiver. It's a lot about family stories. And my mother died in the fall. And not too long after that, I got a call from the University of Kentucky soliciting a manuscript. Okay. 
and I said, I, I think I have one. I, I'm, I'm not sure. They said, just put it in some order. We're more interested in the writing. If you can get it here by Valentine's Day. I said, okay. So I sent it in. I diddled with it. And I was out in the yard in March playing with my grandson, and I got a phone call. And they said, your manuscript's been selected to publish in this series. It's mm-hmm. a series about Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Since I wasn't a Kentuckian, but a good deal of my writing life has mm-hmm. been centered in Kentucky. And I was so shocked because I forgot I submitted it. Wow. And so that was and, and Driving the, with you, the Dead. And yeah. Driving with the Dead was related to being a caretaker? Or, or? A caregiver, caregiver. It's related a bit to aging. Okay. It's related a little. It's loss. The overarching theme of the whole book is loss, whether it be cultural, whether it be personal loss, whether it be uh, there's a whole lot about environmental loss also in it but it's also hopeful very good yeah but the title poem has nothing to do with loss it's a memory someone gave me of driving to a grateful dead concert and they're listening they're listening to the grateful dead on the radio (laughs) and their micro bus i couldn't resist the melancholy of these titles i'm telling you what's the truth you know that there is a term called appalachian psychic but we won't go there that's a that's very and you know we both are Getting on up there, so to speak, and I was at nursing home last night and then uh, dealing with my brother, and so many of you out there I know that listen to this show are dealing with these kind of issues, and then uh, my brother Billy, the wild one, he passed away three or four months ago, Jane, and now uh, brother Johnny's in a nursing home down in Winston-Salem in, in uh, North Carolina, so we're dealing with that, and if you're care, you say caregiver and, and so on, so... God love you all that are dealing with that. We're listening to Jane Hicks today on Poets and Writers, one of my favorite poets. And so Jane has a new book out called Safety of Small Things. Yes. And talk. let's talk about Safety of Small Things. I think it's a beautiful title. The, the title poem is about walking by our brush pile, which is a deliberately constructed thing uh, for birds and small animals, and depending on what season, when I go on my walk about our, we call it the farm, but it's just small acreage, depending on what season it is, when I walk by the brush pile, different small things pop out and pop in. We're all the small things, Henry. Aren't we? Aren't we? Yes, we are. And we're all transitioning, you know, stardust is the way I like to see it. Well, there's a poem about that in the manuscript. How about that? So we're going to talk about, listen to you read some poetry. And this book will be is being published by the University of Kentucky Press, and you all out there will be able to get a copy of it when it comes out. So, Jane Hicks, read us some poetry from Safety of Small Things. All right. This is also new. I haven't worked up a formal reading like I, I would have, but I will read the title poem. Well, there you go, and you're shifting through your... I am shifting through my pages. And you're being very, very gracious to come into the studio today here on the Emory and Henry College campus. And many of you have listened to many of our shows. And, you know, we're archived at Chapel Hill at the University of North Carolina Wilson Library. And we're also going to be archived at Wake Forest University. And Jane Hicks' books that she has uh, signed over to me, so to speak, Will it be in that? So, 
Jane Hicks, she has brought a, I guess you would say, a portfolio, and she is... Well, while I'm leaving through this, let me add an aside to the publisher. Okay. My writing life bloomed at Hindman Settlement School Mm -hmm. at the Appalachian Writers Workshop. And two of my greatest mentors I met there, one I met in Abington, that was Jim Wayne Miller. Okay. And if... Modern readers are not familiar with Jim Wayne Miller's work. Um, I am not responsible for your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there I met Catherine Stripling Byer and mm-hmm. Ron Rash, who both were instrumental mm-hmm. in getting my work cohesive and getting my work out. So now Hindman Settlement School has an imprint of its own called Fireside Industries. My goodness. Well, tell us what Hyman Settlement School is. It's a place for, actually, several people told me I should go there, but I never was invited. So you have to get invited, I guess. Well, they were, back in the old days, you could just sign up and go for classes. But now it's it's become so popular, you have to send in work. Oh, yeah. And I was too lazy to do that. And Lee Smith, now, she's over time. Lee so. has been helpful to yeah, me, too. Lee, Lee is probably still on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. At, at Heinemann, but I started going in the late 80s. Yeah. And you and Rita Quillen, you read together quite a bit. We read, folks, uh, yeah. but I knew Rita before that. She was a student editor at the Mockingbird at ETSU, and when I was in graduate school, she published my first poems. My goodness. And, and yeah. I know East Tennessee State, she may have gone there, you know. I know that I was lucky enough, they let me in, you know, I hitchhiked across mm-hmm. the mountain, came back to Johnson City, and they let me into East Tennessee State. So, okay, you've got your poems ready for us. Go right. Um, I'm going to change gears here, and, and I talked about caregiving. And this whole book is about the fact that we are all the small things. We're all connected. And it's about recovering from loss. It's about living with aging. It's about living with all. And it's the hopeful things that we do that keep us going and keep us joyful. Okay. okay. But this first poem is one of those when I was caregiving with my mother. It's called The Unseen. Ten days in a drug-induced coma, mother plays cards with the unseen. Her fingers hold, shuffle, and release across the pale blanket, blued by street lights through gaps in the shade. Over and over, her hands repeat motions her misfired brain feeds her fingers, scoop and deal again. She swats hands that prick fingers to count blood sugar, check for lines and needles, yet does not wake or we know or we wait for her to fold, stand pat, or open her raven eyes to fix us with a stare that never gave way the cards she held. She plays on as dawn rouges the blanket. Hallways stir with a clatter of carts, not rubbered shoes of nights. And the games play out. All the while, bathed, unhooked, and tethered again, vitals taken, bags emptied and exchanged, she deals her tattered deck. And this is your mother. This is and my you, mother. And did you say drug-induced? What was that line again? Coma. Coma-induced. So she... She was in an automobile accident, okay. and they um, induced her coma 
to while her brain was swollen, and they thought she wouldn't live, but they apparently didn't know my mother. <laughs> uh, she recovered and lived about 10 more years. And uh, so was she in a nursing home at, after that, or did she die at home? I'm curious, you know. She, she well, she had a stroke okay. at home Right. At, after about 10 more years, but she got out, got going. Uh, she thought she was going to drive again, but that, you know. That well, where happen. I'm going with this is how long was she, when she died, did she get to stay, she stayed at home for a long period of time? She stayed at home the whole time. Whole time. And so she was able, of course, with your support and family mm-hmm. support. Right. Did you have to have people come in to be caretakers or was she quite independent and did? She She was quite independent. Mm-hmm. She didn't get around really well. Mm-hmm. But she and my stepfather had the thing going where she was the brains and he was the legs. And And she was acute until her stroke. Oh, I don't doubt that. I know she was a strong woman. So she would have been about how old was she when she passed? 82. 82. 82. We're listening to Jane Hicks today on Poets and Writers. And thank you all for being out there and being with us. Jane's one of my favorites. And gosh, we've talked. We go way back together. And she has a new book out called The Safety of Small Things. It's not out yet, but it's definitely you'll want to pick up a copy when it does come out. So another poem, Jane Hicks. One of the other things that that I talk about in this book is the cancer poems. I had cancer, breast cancer, and uh, I'm six years out and have been dismissed by my oncologist. Absolutely. Thus far. That's uh, something to celebrate. This poem is called Spotlight. Spotlight. November 23rd, 2016. Under the one pink light of an ultrasound room, My day took an outlandish turn. I clutch a gel-sodden towel over my breast. The lone light becomes spotlight, as if scripted stage direction. The doctor, young and earnest, enters. He hands me a towel, averts his eyes. I recover. He takes my free hand, delivers bad news. A tumor, small, at 11 o'clock. Very suspicious, biopsy urgent. He walked over from the hospital late on this afternoon before Thanksgiving to spare his nurse a grim task. Scheduled and released, I huddle in my car, take stock, cancel my shopping, cancel Thanksgiving, crank up music, and drive, and drive. And drive. And drive. That's all right. Those are, that's some news that we don't want to hear, but you have held it, handled it well, and that's six years out now. Did you did you tell me six years out? Six or, years yeah. out, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, folks out there I know listening to this show have dealt with this part of life, and they're dealing with it now. All right. And, uh, wow, okay. We've got a couple of melancholy forms. So yeah. what you got else for us? You got, I know, well, your other books, you know, what do you call possum? What What is that about? The Cosmic Possum. Cosmic Possum. What was, that was in one of your books, right? That was, that was in the first book, and that has been my alter ego for over 20 years. Uh, it's, it's, um, uh, defined as people who are the first generation off the ridge or out of the holler, the first educated, college-educated people who live with a foot in both worlds. Well, Uh, absolutely. Yeah. My goodness, you know, I'm just brainstorming here, and and forgive me because I'm with Jane, and 
she just sparked so many memories. And how about that little, is it the McCall, how about the basketball player from down there? Is he kind of a cosmic possum, the one that just won the dunking contest, you know? Mac McClung? Yeah, Mac McClung. Absolutely. City. Yeah. He, he yeah. reminds me of a cosmic possum. I went to, I watched him play in high school. Yeah. 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 So cosmic possum. I love that. And what do you mean by cosmic? Just you're. You're getting on out there, right? Getting on out there, yes. Citizen of the universe and the world. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Jane Hicks, another poem for us today on Poets and uh, Another sort of grim one, PTSD. Oh, my goodness gracious. No one who's ever gone through... I knew my mother had PTSD. She went through just horrible medical procedures and all that. I mean, she was in ICU for 20 days. It was terrible. Uh, All the people that I took cancer treatment with, including myself, if you've had medical trauma, you do have some degree of PTSD. Uh, Not to mention, you know, veterans and and all this. I I know a number of... But you're talking about the after effects of... Medical trauma. Okay. Let's just call it medical trauma. Go for it. Like a lazy serpent drowses on a speckled path, soaks the sun, digests a lunch, rises to strike a careless wanderer. A panther that stalks ridgeline, weaves about boulders and trees, a sinuous hunger of claws and teeth, devours frolicking young. An undertow that lurks beneath unpredictable waves, circles and royals, waits casual waiter to sweep away and drown. A mountain storm that lashes, strikes, and topples ancient pines onto a cabin, a refuge thought safe. My goodness. Jane Hicks reading from her book to come out fairly soon called The Safety of Small Things. And Jane Hicks is a I've enjoyed so much watching you from the ninth grade on, having taught you at Linview High School, or you taught me, we really should say that. So I've watched you evolve as a poet and uh, as a writer, and you are also a great teacher, and you also do, I'm going to throw this out here, because you do a lot of uh, quilting, mm-hmm. right? And you've won a number of awards on quilting. Yes. Just throw that at us just a little bit. Well, I I was taught to quilt by my grandmother when I was a very small child, and she was a wonderful quilter. She made most of my clothes, taught me how to sew. My mother was a good seamstress, but she couldn't quilt. She was a beautiful embroiderer. And if I try to embroider, I'm stomping it in about five minutes. I have no touch for that. And and all the women in my family did some kind of handwork and piecework. But uh, it's such a comfort to me. I've been through a period of what I call orthopedic chaos. I didn't quilt while I was in cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. I, I broke my shoulder. I've had to have it replaced. None of this is conducive to do, sitting yeah, at that, a Yeah, that did interfere with that. But yeah. you have won awards in there. I know I, I read a na- magazine article about that. And your mother, mm-hmm. she was, would you, I, I would call her a mountain woman, but that's, you know, what would you call her? Your, your she she was. Grandmother. And, uh, yeah, my grandmother was a mountain yeah. woman. My mama came out of the holler when okay. she was 18 to mm-hmm. work at the Eastman. Okay. We say the Eastman. Yeah. Uh, right at the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. When so she, your grandmother did 18. a lot of canning and talk. You lived with her soon. 
Uh, some in the summer, and, and my mama canned. We grew yeah. a huge garden. I can do all that stuff. I'm telling you what, I'm impressed. That uh, takes me back. You know, my mother did a lot of that because we came off a Roan Mountain. All right, and yeah. Jane Hicks reading another poem for us. I'm, I'm Let's read something a little much. lighter. Okay, lighten this, us this, up, Jane This was Hicks. a conversation I had with my mama when she was in the hospital. My mama was a smart woman. She was probably a mathematical genius, none of which I inherited. But uh, these are her thoughts on something. Agent of Providence. Roma Downey glows on the television screen. Her angel touch dispensed. The plot line closed. I have muted the sound as my mother drifts towards sleep. We shiver in the bare temporary room where she has come for transfusion. I drowse over my coffee. It's not like that, she declares. Eyebrows, arch an eyebrow in response. Angels. She gestured toward the TV as her IV tubes arc out and glitter. Not at all. She ought to know. My mother once died and went to heaven. In a coma for three weeks, one long night set off bells and alarms for the ICU. She told anyone who would listen that she ascended through pink clouds that smelled of roses to meet Jesus, Hmm. who assured us, she assured us nowadays would be detained at any airport, looked nothing like they said in Sunday school. She asked if she had gained heaven. Jesus promised her it would be whatever she desired paradise to be, but not yet. He sent her home. You're not, suff- you're not done suffering yet, he said. Angels brought me back. Big, scary angels with nary a feather in sight. People have it wrong when they show pretty woman and fat baby angels. Was anybody in the Bible glad to see angels? Mostly not. Jacob wrestled his. Sarah laughed at hers. Lot scared him enough to flee Sodom, dragging his family. Mary met Gabriel, that poor little girl, just imagine. The shepherds in Bethlehem were sore afraid. Them angels in the lion's den and fiery furnace weren't fellows to mess with, no. Or the one that sat at the gates of Eden with a fiery sword. She falls back into meds and sleeps. I study angels on my phone. Find out that only cherubim and seraphim sprout wings. I ponder archangels. Find Gabriel and Michael, learn Raphael and Uriel of the flaming sword, the Kabbalah named Seven, one with the glorious name Metatron, fit for a superhero. We, created less than angels, reduced them, rendered them as harp-wielding and infantile. Should I, like the psalmist, call on angels for help, I want a being who can stand in the presence of God who bears a sword or commands a voice like a lion to be the agent of providence and the harbinger of grace. All right. All right. We, we were watching Touched by an Angel, yeah. that show with Roma Downey. That, yeah. That's what she was talking about. And so she saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't mean uh, who was the writer, good Lord. Shoot low, boys, they're riding Shetland ponies. You know that? Uh, oh, he's so funny and comical. But he said yeah. that uh, when he had the heart attack, he, he saw, he didn't see the light. He saw the blue light at Walmart. So I'll yeah. just forgive me for throwing that yeah. in. Jane Hicks today, excellent uh, 
poet here on Poets and Writers, WEHC 90.7. Jane, we're going to be summarizing it here right now on Poets and Writers. My Ivy Shepherd's watching the clock, so okay. um, I want to get you to talk just briefly about your family. My family. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, uh, I will be married 45 years in July, and uh, my husband and I live in Blountville, near Blountville. Uh, I have two living sons. We lost one of our sons just before Thanksgiving, 51, heart, just pow. Um, have two sons, and I have two grandchildren. Two grandchildren. Mm-hmm. How old are your grandchildren? Uh, both boys, uh-huh. 15 and 8. 15 yeah. and 8, and they yeah. keep you busy. Yeah, they certainly they keep you They are busy, nearby, absolutely. and they keep us busy. We're quite close with them. They're good boys. All um, right, as we wrap up the show today on Poets and Writers with Jane Hicks, Jane, where your books, the, your current books are on Amazon, right? Uh, the first book has gone out of print, but you can occasionally catch one on mm-hmm. Amazon. I'm looking for somebody to bring that one back okay. into print. And the second one, Driving with the Dead, is available from the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It's available in audio book also. Mm-hmm. It's available on uh, Amazon. Uh, I got a plug for the university. And occasionally you can catch it on sale. And the new one will be available from the University of Kentucky. It's already on their website and on Amazon. It's already on their website and on Amazon. Okay. Yes. So they, yes. And the beautiful, this is the cover that, that is you the brought cover. along. And it is a natural co- color with, uh, well, describe this cover. It's uh, uh, mushrooms on a tree. Uh, my goodness. And vines. Mm-hmm. Uh, vines, little mushrooms. Those are very small mushrooms. I had a image I was intrigued with. And I showed it to the art department, and they could not get that very image, but they came up with something I thought was stunning. Well, it is beautiful, folks, and we've enjoyed talking with Jane Hicks again, an excellent poet, an excellent writer, and she's been reading from her latest book, Safety of Small Things. Jane, thank you for being on the show today. You're very welcome. I'm always so glad to be here. And this is Henry McCarthy saying, do not wait up for me. Do not be afraid to stay or still away. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Thanks for listening.